Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to have you with me this early in the morning. Uh, enjoy my wonderful coffee. Oh, my. Mm-mm-mm. Um, it's uh, time for Still Growing in Grace. Uh, glad you took time to join me. Hey, good morning, Sandra. Ha, you're like fast. Usually I'm the one typing my hello in first. You just beat me. Um, anyway, good to have all of you here. Uh, if those that are going to be watching later, don't forget to comment later as well. Um, I still will get the comments and uh, I will banter back and forth as best I can. Um, today we're going to do part two of what we started last week. Uh, we had a discussion on heaven um, and I thought, okay, this is this is good. And part two today is, is good as well. Um, but we're going to continue the series. So I think on Friday I'm going to um, connect with uh, Richard and Bill again and we're going to record uh, just a bit more on what is heaven and kind of untangle some of the misconceptions or or uh, take the boxes of what we think heaven is and, and kind of open it up and realize, hey, it shouldn't be in a box. There's far too much mystery um, that we can't know and don't know for uh, because of that, we can't box up what this thing heaven is. Um, some people want a heaven image that's all, you know, like eating uh, cream cheese on a uh, cloud floating in the sky, you know, with a cracker. Um, people want heaven singing worship songs to God 24-7, like Bill was saying, unless it's today he talks about that, but it's like doing Hillsong in heaven all the time. It's like, oh my goodness, that better not be heaven. Um, so what is it? How can we understand it? What does the what do the scriptures say about heaven? Um, and I think there's much more we can uh, explore, not just from biblical texts, which help, um, but uh, we're going to definitely go there. So wait, wait for the next couple of ones as well. They're going to be great. But for this morning, uh, I'd like to get rolling on. Um, okay, I'll I'll take a look at while the interview is going, uh, Sandra. I see that. Look up Second Peter three ten to thirteen, and if nothing else, then uh, I'll I'll get the guys to talk about it on Friday when we pre-record. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Hey, good morning, Mark. Woohoo, Mark and Guelph. That's awesome. Hey, hope you're doing well. Um, so let's get into this uh, discussion. It's uh, about half an hour, and then I'll come back and uh, we'll follow this up. And uh, again, questions are awesome. If there's a key text in Scripture that you're wondering about, hey, how does this work in light of this more hope-filled perspective? I can't reconcile this text with what you're talking about. Man, that happens all the time. So, <laughs> um, especially when we talked about hell and what is the lake of fire, we talked about, oh my goodness, there, the, we should not be afraid of questions. We may not have all the answers, but let's at least explore and, and open up the bag of questions the one that's been chained tight by the system of religion and churchianity. I'm so tired of it. Um, and uh, those that kind of what I call um, uh, 
the kind of the protectors of of the theology. Well, you ain't the protector, okay? No pastor is the is the the guard of the gate. That's absolute baloney. That's a, like ego filling power trip, you know? Oh my goodness! Even as I say it, I, I realize I was groomed in that stuff, that crap, Christian rules and procedures. Oh wow! All right. Hey, Marianne from Western Australia. So good to have you on. We got UK, we have Guelph, and we have uh, Australia watching right now. That's pretty cool. So if you're watching from somewhere else, just chime in, tell us where you're watching from, and that'd be really great. Uh, let me see what else. One more check over here. Uh, nope, that's good. Okay, let me just switch to the uh, the part two from last week on heaven. If you didn't watch it, uh, go into the links below and you'll see the link where to get it on YouTube. So here we go. I hope you'll enjoy this. All right, we're continuing part two of this heaven discussion. The last thing we talked about was uh, creating and that we're co-creators, which in my world, in my churchy world, it's a weird term. Um, only a few people uh, like to use that phraseology. Others think it's like, you're just off the wacko Christian lens of way out there, but it's not. And I, I want to come back to this idea of creating in heaven because there's a misconception of heaven people have. We talked about earlier, the idea of grandma looking down on us now, um, which I like, who was it who said that? Was it Bill? Yeah. yeah, Bill said this last time that without knocking it off as a, as in it's not true, it's just going to look very different than what we think. But sometimes that language helps the grieving ones and Absolutely. we cannot knock it because there's an element of truth to it. We just don't get it. So, but I think it's much better than that. And that's where this is an, very interesting because I don't want to just go to heaven and float around on a cloud eating, you know, um, cream cheese, you know, no, I, I think it's better than that. I think there's going to be work. I think there's going to be learning. It does not say we're going to know everything. Oh, I'll know it when I get to heaven. I'll finally figure out what God, why God did this. Really? Where does it say that? So I think there's going to be a lot more learning, a lot more growing, a lot more being exposed to all the different levels of dimensions that we, if that's true, that's really cool. That to me, that's an exciting new world. Oh, no doubt. So what's this co-creating um, in heaven type idea that you were so, kind of getting so to? The way, the way we, we obviously co-labor with Christ. I mean, that's, that's scriptural. And, and um, in that co-labor, we are co-participating, right? We, we, are, we are shared participants in the divine nature, right? And we're all doing stuff. Everybody's doing stuff. I, I, I don't want to plug my book, but I outlined some of my thoughts in that in, in my book and that we're we're all involved. Every decision or even indecision, um, uh, what, what reflexive decision we make during a day adds something completely unique, adds momentum, adds kinetic energy, adds value, adds a, a, a spur on the timeline, if you will, uh, of, of a choice, right, to this thing that is ongoing called existence. I amness, right? God says I am that I am, and I, I say I am Bill, and so every time I say that, I'm yeah, we laugh. I'm yeah, but I'm also claiming the reflection of divinity. I'm claiming the spirit of I am Christ inside of myself, even on the most mundane. Hi, I'm Bill, right? We don't I don't think conceptualize what a 
unbelievable concept sentient awareness is and having an identity and having an awareness of everything going around us. Go ahead. Can, I, can I ask can I rabbit trail for a second? Mm-hmm. Could this have to do with us being light? Absolutely. Because I think there's, there's something connected to being the being light. There's an energy. I'm not into new age stuff, yeah. but I am into science. He just said, we are the light. He claimed it to be a light of the world. Right. So I'm absolutely all this stuff is connected. You can walk into a room and there's a presence that's known. And if you're a negative presence, people know it. But if you're a positive presence, people tend to look and go, somebody just walked into the room, something changed. They don't know it. And I think, Again, this is a connection to heaven of, of what this other side of the veil is. And I th- we haven't talked about this yet, haven't addressed it yet, but I think heaven's almost like on, it's here. Always here. It's always that way yeah. we get into the, the whole quantum thing. And, and I don't want to get to the weirdo point of that, because I think there's yeah. a weirdo point of that, believe it or not. <laughs> but, you know, I pick Fruit Loops versus Apple Jacks. It seems mundane and insignificant. But somewhere in the cosmic entangledness of everything, that decision is, is mine. And yet it is being reconciled with Christ crucified. And it's like, what? But it is. And it's reconciled for good. Like this Dude. has an impact on every single thing that's ever happened. It's tied somehow intrinsically to all of creation. And that just seems impossible. And yet both science would, would contend it to be true. And I think scripture does too. We are co-labor, we are co-participating. I'm gonna get to my point. My point is, I believe, I'm of, of the opinion that when we cross the veil of, of Newtonian reality, when we cross into, into what we label as death, I don't think we go into death. I think we transfigure into a different understanding and perspective of life, shedding the Newtonian kind of components of our existence. And we're instantly manifested. We're instantly resurrected into the presence of God. For some, that's going to be a, a fire of love that we're going to get through fairly fairly seamlessly and we've talked some about that in our hell experience in heaven and some of that may be tormenting on a degree but we're all passing through this on a subjective spiritual level but we're shedding the tangible shells of our existence and now we're going to be able to without resistance well i think it can be in both ways we don't here's the truth every person died as far as I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, I know there's some scriptural kind of wonder, wonder there, but I think that every person has walked through that same narrow gate of death. And it, it puts us all in, I think, uh, Capon talks about it. Paul said, the grave makes us all equally dead. That's true. <laughs> nobody gets, nobody gets out alive. You know, but but, but yeah. what I meant by, uh, without the, um, the constraints, I meant it, when we're in this earth suit, we have oh. limited vision. Yes. But yeah. once we're out of it, suddenly we're exposed to a whole new yes. uh, perception that we weren't aware of or capable of, adding new info that we didn't have before. And but giving- we're also participating, and my, my word, and it goes back to Richard's walkabout thing to some degree. I want to get to that. We'll get to that maybe next because maybe that ties into it. We're now, depending on that subjective point of reality, past that veil, we're now exploring all, every, the Cheerio Fruit Loop decision and how it ties with everything else. And we literally have a playground. I love that word. 
a playground of exploration and participation within and work among in the extra dimensional aspects of tying those knots together and sealing up this and making sure I don't even know how that fathoms and works. Again, it's beyond my imagination, but I think that's what the scriptures and what science are collaborating to try and give us a sneak peek into, a glimpse of, a foretaste of, that there is nothing that happens in this, in this reality that isn't without purpose and without some sort of ability to be weaved into this beautiful tapestry that will be the kingdom of God, that will be heaven, that will be the new creation, that will be whatever you, paradise, whatever you want to label it. Richard, response, because well, you've got some other views <laughs> as well. And I, I'm eager to hear some of what's what it could look like after we leave these earth suits, what's heaven potentially look like, what's the concept you may have. And that's with Jesus, by the way, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I get come back to Plato. Uh, you know, a lot of people believe Plato was a, a pre-Christian because he had so many ideas that were Christian in nature. Um, and just, but before Christ came. So it's kind of, but you know, his most famous one is the allegory of the cave where everyone is looking at the cave wall. Existence here is like, we're all looking at the shadows on a cave wall. The fire is behind us projecting shadows, our shadows onto the cave wall and shadows of other things onto the cave wall. But but then, you know, the, the one realizes that, hey, this isn't reality. It's a it's a it's an echo of reality and a, a shadow of it. And, you know, the the uh, the spiritual teacher comes in and tries to get them all to turn around and and their eyes are not. Oh, please come back. If you can hear us, Richard, you uh, left off at uh, their eyes. That's all we heard, and then it stopped. Their eyes look back, and they see the fire, and I know that some of them are, are scared, and, and I think most of them turn back around. I think that's where he was going with it. Okay. And, um, and all, but, you know, only a few are able to take the fire, right, and start to be in their eyes, their irises closed, and they're able to start seeing the actual reality that exists. Most turn back around because it's comfortable to look at what they were more used to looking at. There's only one or few, and I'm not on which version he's talking about. I've heard the same story that the other ones can actually allow their eyes to adjust and begin to see the dimensions and the, the, the effects of what real true reality is. It's very much like the matrix. I know uh, that's very near and dear to Richard's heart as well. You know, that there is a, there's a real reality that is underpinning the reality that we currently experience. That's true. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I think there's so much we haven't been told. I think we've been given a comic book version of what, yes. uh, of what heaven is. And uh, it doesn't leave a lot of room for uh, imagination, right? Like it's going to be this. I think it's one of our, our challenges in an in institutional, you know, religion mm -hmm. is imagination is not, uh, a concept that's very well received. And yet throughout church history, the greatest art has been displayed through the church, but it's only, I don't know why it's only that art that gets all the recognition, but that's super creative. That is recreating, co-creating. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think there's more to it. I do too. And so, 
you know, that's my, my concept of heaven. I don't know. I, maybe we'll get Richard back or if not, we'll talk to him next time. Um, it is really uh, the idea that we are walking with the, the, the spirit of Christ, but I believe the personal presence of Christ too, through that exploration of reality that exists entangled. And I don't know, this is kind of a, a weird way of saying it, but that twinkle of an eye that Richard was talking about earlier, that things are going to happen in the twinkle of an eye. What's, what's, what's a moment here in, in, in this reality? How long is a moment? Uh, one second. One second. Do we know how long a second is? <laughs> no. What can happen in a second? I mean, truth be told, I mean, a second can be eternity from God's standpoint. Uh, think about it this way. You know what an X, Y axis is, right? Yep. So we get an X, Y axis. Um, you know what a ray is in geometry? Do you remember a ray? In no. fact, here you go. I get this. I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm I'm draw for a second. Somebody out there remembers a ray. A ray you get a point, right? You know what a point is, right? You got a point. Yeah, you're trying to make one. And that's a point. Yeah. <laughs> a ray is a point with a little arrow on it, right? That's a right. ray, right? That's time. That's one dimension of time. Okay, got that? One, one dimension of time. This is where we're existing. Let's just pretend. Let's put God again in that box. God only has one extra dimension of time in, in this metaphor, right? In one extra dimension of time, we're going to give, this is our time. Oh, you are. This is God time. And we're going to be really, really happy with God. We're going to give God infinite time. We're not going to have him a starting point. We're going to give him infinite time. All right? So that's, again, X, Y coordinate, right? So inside, you said one second, right? One second's a moment. So in our time, one second of our time, how much time can God exist? I can't, my, my pen's backwards. How much time can God exist in one second of our time? How much presence can he put? If he just had one extra dimension, he could literally spend eternity. Does that make sense? It does. So he can spend eternity in one moment, one second, as you said, Michael. You said one second. We get to participate, I believe, on the second side of this life. If we want to spend eternity in one second of reality, exploring every single cosmic detail of that moment, every neuron firing in our, our, our pre, you know, pre-contained existence, every hair that raised on our arm, and understand how it's entangled with Christ in that moment, and he can take us to each one of those things. It's very much like the Scrooge thing you've talked about, Richard, now that you're back. And we get to see it all from a different angle. That's how we are we are changed. That's how we are transfigured spiritually, maybe not after even our physical transformations. We are, we are being molded and, and shown through this walkabout. And I'll let Richard, now that he's back, talk about the walkabout. Through this process of extra dimensional time and reality into the very existence that we co-created. Amen. Well, I mean, I was as before, uh, my iPhone heated out and uh, collapsed. <laughs> so uh, it's a hot day in Georgia. Yeah, uh, Bill, you can attest. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I was getting into the, the cave with the shadows on it. The point being that every shadow that we see here, like Bill has been saying, points to a heavenly reality. Uh, and that wisdom is, even though we can't maybe see with our physical eyes, the heavenly reality, we can use the shadow 
to try to determine in a pixelated way, a, a general way that it's pointing to something greater. Then we let our imaginations kind of kick in and then, and then we go where we go with it. But, uh, you know, the walkabout idea, and it did come for me anyway, it came from the Scrooge story. You know, Dickens was a, was a Christian and a, uh, and a, uh, uh, a universalist. And, and uh, he, he believed that God was, Jesus was the savior of the whole world. And uh, he, he was one of the, obviously one of the great writers of all time. And I think the Christmas Carol is my absolute famous uh, favorite story because in it, the whole thing with Scrooge is he's messed up his life. His life is hopeless and hard and awful. And then within the space of what seemed like a night, but now that I hear Bill talking, that could have that could have been that could have taken place over a lifetime. Well, it doesn't you know, even by our reckoning of time. It doesn't even in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but you know the three ghosts take him to different places. I really like the Jim Carrey animated version. If you're going to see a version of this, I really like it because he's there's some spiritual stuff in that movie that's not in other versions of it. Really, but basically. Uh, yes, uh, but basically that these that these spirits that these Christmas spirits show take him back and show him where he went wrong in the past, show him where he's at in the present, and show him where if his past doesn't change, his future is going to be. But all of that worked as a walkabout for Scrooge and brought him into a place of repentance and brought him into a place of recognition where his whole being changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then his future became different. His future became open. He went back on. So the whole thing was a walkabout. That's an Australian term uh, that talks to a walk of maturity that that young Aborigines make. And it's the walk that walks them into manhood. We are here to mature. We are here to mature individually and corporately. And the other side of maturity is heaven. All right. Now we we're you know we're struggling with with maturity levels and and unity levels and all that. But uh, everything, you know, everything that's heaven has to do with a corporateness between us, a corporate love and a corporate joining and a unity of purpose that we all grow into the unity of the faith. You know, that's in Ephesians. And sometimes when I read that, it seems so freaking impossible for that to ever happen. You know, it just seems like just I mean, how is that ever how are we ever going to be unified? But that just shows that we're not mature yet. But but I do want to say this. This is what I have come to believe that we have to, you know how they tell you when you look at the abstract art, sometimes you don't look at it, you look next to it, and then you sort of see it out of, out of, out of the corner of, of your eye, out of the periphery. I think one of the things is the more we try to explain what heaven actually is, the more we can actually uh, roadblock it because we're trying to define, we're trying to take the pixels out of it, and they're not going to come out of it. You know, we can just get kind of general ideas about it um and and i think when when we uh i think we are we are releasing heaven's earth and co-creating when we're not even conscious of it Mm. i think when we try to become conscious of it that actually debilitates that actually slows it down because self gets in the way the self gets in the way we get to that self-consciousness adam and eve's first goof up was they became self-conscious cripplingly self-conscious and I think when we become too self-conscious about heaven and really about hell too, if you want to, but, but, but when we're in the spirit, because the spirit is a force, you know, the spirit, the love is a force. These things have power. All we do is tap into the power. And what I love about Paul is he got to a point where he said, you know, he said, it's a small thing for you to judge me. I don't even judge myself, but that doesn't mean I'm not judged, but it, it, he wasn't even aware of anything against himself, you know? And, and I think when we, 
we sometimes we we we're back looking at cave shadows when we start getting into trying to figure everything out meticulously. And I, and I think if, if we can just find that rest of being that Hebrews talks about, well, we're not even, I'm sure we're confident in Christ and sure we know our future has a hope and is a better, you know, it's going to be better than anything we can ask or think here. So if it's going to be better than anything I can ask or think, I don't need to ask or really think about it. I just need to wait for it, anticipate it, you know, and just be, just, just find that rest of God where I'm not self-focused or self-obsessed. And uh, just try to be a, a channel, a conduit, you know, for the light and love of God. And then if somebody gets blessed by co-creation, I'm not even aware I'm doing it. You know, I remember in uh, Lord of the Rings, there's a scene in there where Tom Bombadil, and he wasn't in the movies. I don't know if y'all are Lord of the Rings geeks or not. But like uh, Tom Bombadil was a character in there who sang. Yeah. And, and, and when he, you know, when he walked through the forest, he just could sing everything to life. You know, and it was just a natural, you know, just a natural thing. There wasn't any kind of a. You know, there wasn't any kind of great teaching going on. He just was singing and things would come alive. And, uh, and I think that's kind of like it is for us. If we find that refuge from self-awareness, I, I really believe self-awareness can be so, so damaging here or, or limiting. Uh, but when we move out of self-awareness, then the spirit can really operate. And co-creation is going on in our wake. I mean, how many times does something happen in our wake that we find out later that we, don't, we didn't even intend? You know, and yet somehow God uses us just because we've been a, you know, we've been a, a non, you know, a non self-obsessed vessel, you know, that somehow managed to reflect some light into the situation. Uh, so, you know, because I think a lot of people get, talk about co-creating sometimes they go, out, OK, seven steps to co-create, you know, and, and, and things like that. And that just the, the more it just becomes dead letter stuff, yep. a technique, you know, and it's the. Um, you know, there's there's an illusion in technique that sometimes can draw us away from the source, you know. And uh, but I, I just know that anything the Lord co-create, even to the extent we co-create with him, it's it's exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ask or think. So, you know, if we're so if the Lord uses us in ways that we're aware of or unaware of, so be it and praise yep. God. And then uh, I think our awareness does increase, but it's not through self-awareness. Um, it, it's through a healthy, you know, just world awareness. Like Bill was saying, being aware of many things at one time. And it, that's a different track. When you step out of that uh, self-isolation, because I've suffered from that before, just isolation. You know, uh, when you step out of that into a bigger world and, and there's a connection and a web, you step into the connection between what's going on with other people. You don't even think of yourself anymore. You know, you're just operating out of function, you know, and out, out of that spirit, out of heaven. True. I think there's so much here because unfortunately, churchianity has set us up too. And you mentioned it, I think the first half that we are working as believers, working to get our crowns and jewels on the crown to get a better room or an upgrade <laughs> and all those crazy notions. So we're working for our crown. We're doing it for Jesus, but I'm really doing it for me, but I'm doing it for Jesus, but I'm really doing it for me. Like it is, insane how we were spoon fed that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm getting angry uh, as, as I talk about it with my wife a little bit more, because we're, we're revisiting a lot of topics that we were fed and yep. this is one of them, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it's gotta be something to look forward to, not to be afraid of, or maybe get a, a coach seat. Really? There is no coach in heaven. I don't know. Does that make sense? 
Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Totally. It's all first class. I think, I think, I think the more we can dive into, I know we're, we're probably getting close to this one, but I mean, there's things like the trees of life that line the, the new earth or the new creation, right? And the river that flows through it. There's so many beautiful metaphors, I think, with our heavenly depictions in scripture that we can unpack. I mean, they really, really are. One well, actually, things. hang on. I saw yeah. a guy had a diagram and it was to the detail of the 12 by 12 by 12. And, and he had it all figured out. He knew exactly what it was going to be. <laughs> That's right. And, and it has to be in a different dimension. I'll give it that because gravity would force that into a, a <laughs> sphere. That's neither here nor there. Uh, if it's in, in this. Wait, wait. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a good rule of thumb. I, I go by the rule of thumb. The more precise somebody is when they start teaching stuff like this, the more wrong they are. You know, you, we have to just, we have to be vague on purpose and wonderfully vague. Being vague can be fun. That gives us elbow room to breathe and to grow and to, and to be wrong and to be right. You know, which is how you started this conversation, Richard. You said you suggested these are concepts that are speculative in some ways. But listen, we're, we're hearing truth and seeing truth in secular and religious and non-religious all around us in art, in the world of music, that God is speaking through all of it. Like it's, it's like a, the most incredible stereo system. And some of us are tone deaf. We're not seeing it or hearing it. I will say, I think you're, you're on, on to something there. I've said this for years and totally believe it that, that in the, I don't know, left brain, right brain, whatever you want to call it, side of humanity, when we disconnect from the logic processing center of our brain and we start operating on the pure creative side, whether it is depictions of art, especially music, poetry, some of these, you know, um, uh, areas where we, I mean science fiction it doesn't where we are starting to operate out of places of creation that is not tethered to reality at least the reality we exist in every moment of time Tolkien C.S. Lewis Dickens all these guys tapped into something very deep there and and it's not just them it's almost any story and again Richard the Matrix for you Star Wars it really doesn't matter it, you watch these things and you all of a sudden draw this unbelievable allegory out of anything you watch if you just connect to it um, closely enough. And what it is, it's, it's the component of humanity. It's heaven, that, that portal of heaven inside of us that's starting to try and connect with that reality that is entangled and yet to come, right? And we're, we're, we're drawing it. I mean, we're drawing from it and we're drawing in speaking and then creating into it. It's both at the same time. And I think that is, there is something about art and music and poetry that is set apart and is holy in that regard where even if we try to, to, to shoehorn it into a theology, it breaks itself out if we're being honest to the process of truly being uh, liberated in, in those gifts of creativity and imagination that God's given us. Well, we got to, we got to finish this up, but we, we have a lot more to continue. Um, I want to explore your walkabout idea a bit more next time, Richard, because there's something that could be encouraging. Again, it's, it's speculation, but uh, I think you have more background thoughts on it than just this Scrooge story. There's gotta be more to it. So let's come back and uh, this is, we're going to continue to explore what heaven is and maybe what it isn't um, unpack some of the scriptures maybe. Um, but we're going to be a little more prepared next time as well. Cause uh, this was a uh, today we decided, Hey, let's talk about this topic, And we love it. It's a great one. 
Uh, and we, I think we hit a lot of points that we probably have to spend a little more time on some of these other points. And I think that'll be really fun. It's not often you get to have this kind of a conversation with great folks. So this is, this has been fun. Thanks guys. You betcha. All right. I'm going to exit this. Thanks everyone. See you for part three next. All righty. I hope you enjoyed that. Oh my. Um, you can see the rabbit trails that are flowing from uh, where this could go. Uh, I'm glad that the whole idea of co-creator kind of started to work itself out there because um, again, sometimes when I'm asking questions, I'm thinking not just of devil's advocate, but of authentic believers wanting to grow. They know something is not quite as they were told, but they also want to, they want to understand why and how we arrive at a new conclusion. Um, in fact, that's, that's my, that's been my entire deconstruction journey. Uh, on the front end, I used to argue a lot, you know, telling <laughs> other leaders and teachers, you're wrong. <laughs> I can't believe the arrogance of that. I didn't mean it, but I, I felt it. And so when I got humbled one day, uh, someone confronted me and showed me what I looked like. And, uh, oh, oh, that is not Christ. Oh, shoot. And, uh, yeah, I just realized that I had moved on to an even deeper grace. And they showed me what it looked like from somebody who couldn't see what I saw. And uh, the absoluteness that uh, I sounded like. So I think our dogmatism needs to lighten up. And I love the speculation um, uh, part of this discussion because it's not absolute. I like what Richard said. You know, the more we try to pin this down, because listen, our Western culture wants clear cut cubby holes and clear definitions. That's why in the Christian world we have textbooks called systematic theology. And apparently, once it's in print, this is gospel. This is what the Bible says. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's an interpretation. It is a commentary opinion. And uh, can we learn from them? You betcha. We can even learn from the most strictest legalistic ones. There's grace in them too. You just got to look harder. Um, so anyway, let's get into some of the uh, comments that were here. Um, hey, Jim, down in Windsor, good morning. Uh, and Mark was saying when my mom was dying, she was aware of of this and talked about it. this is the idea of something else going on yes i've got lots of stories like that oh my goodness uh we'll likely get into that a little later um but not right now um and the infinite part yes jim you just popped in there when bill was talking about the diagrams <laughs> re-listening to this again I, I told you last week i really enjoy re-watching and listening with you live at eight o'clock um because <laughs> i just had proof i was so distracted uh during the last part of that interview i had stuff going on home and getting texts it's like i can't handle this it was really hard to listen and and hear what was going on and to hear it again like this was brilliant i love that the x factor haha whatever they call that uh when bill was talking about the infinite time that if we call one second is this long and yet god's infinite is this and the time goes the other way so much can happen in that including revelation including the process of growth and uh you can't explain it so we've got to be careful we don't try and explain heaven in linear terms it's really important uh what else uh, we have someone saying hi from the philippines i believe because ph i'm assuming is philippines um good morning to you i don't know how to pronounce your first name but it looks like chan uh, 
You'll have to help me with that. Um, I'm not great with phonetics, so you have to write it out. Um, somebody asked a question earlier about Second Peter three ten. That was Sandra. Sandra, we're gonna. I'm gonna put that to the guys on um, um, uh, on Friday when we do the next part. Um, oh, okay. Hang on, Kirk. You write the Bible has to be our standard for any experience we have. If spiritual experiences contradict the Bible, then it's false. I disagree. Um, the Bible cannot be the standard for all that stuff because the Bible doesn't contain everything there is to know about everything spiritual. Uh, there are some things in Scripture that are incomplete, and uh, you can make it say what you want it to say at times. So, no, I don't think it can be the standard. Otherwise, you create a new set of legalism. Uh, it's like creating a systematic theology book. Uh, it locks in what it means, and there isn't wiggle room. Um, which, so, anyway, I, I, I think the, the Scriptures, which are beautiful. Um, by the way, Brad Jerzak just did an amazing conversation about inerrancy and fallibility. Uh, I will get that posted as as well um uh, and in that he he really deals with that so it's i love my bible i think it speaks to the greater magnificent love and grace of god but there are parts in there that are incomplete and improperly translated uh and properly interpreted um clearly uh, because that's why we have disagreements Forty-four thousand different denominations can't all be wrong can they <laughs> So anyway, I, I like I like your principle there, Kirk. Um, I just uh, I don't believe that because I personally have experienced spiritual things that I don't see it anywhere in Scripture where it explains it. And I know most in our audience, Mark and Joy for sure, you guys have seen and experienced spiritual things that cannot be put into Scripture, like dreams. How do you find it? Well, we actually, you can find a ton of dreams in the Scriptures. Well, those are interpretive. So anyway, I think that's that's. That's pretty cool. Sandra, back to your thing. Um, you were asking about 2 Peter 3. Um, I, I sent the text to the guys. Um, and in your question here, there's a lot of, of stuff here to cover. But I'd like you to refer to Matthew 24 instead. Uh, read Matthew 24 first. And then you'll be ready for the conversation on 2 Peter. I'm going to highlight in Matthew 24 verse 34. This is a biggie. This is the telltale of all the stuff going on in that chapter. Listen to this. Uh, Matthew 24, it says, I tell you, this is Jesus, I tell you the truth. This generation, the one he's speaking to, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Here it is. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. I'm going to give you a teaser hint. The idea of heaven and earth, uh, you got to remember that uh, in the temple, the Jews perceived and called the temple heaven and earth. And in that text, Jesus said, every building here is going to be destroyed. And it was in their generation in 70 AD, utterly destroyed. Um, but they saw heaven and earth as the temple. The top was considered heaven. The bottom was earth. That's where God met you, bringing heaven to earth. And so heaven and earth was destroyed. Uh, it has happened. So this whole end time stuff um, is sorely limited to, a, a, especially if you grew up in the dispensational pre, pre-trib, or there's a rapture coming, all that stuff. If that is the world of theology you grew up in, um, you've been given one small paperback book on the subject. Okay, that, that's it. There's much more 
uh, that's been shared throughout church history that has nothing to do with that. So I, I'm, I'm sorry, I grew up with it. I studied it. I believed it. So to say, well, look at this verse. I've read the verses. How about you start to look at the verses you have not looked at? Show me something I've not seen. And yes, I'll engage with you. But I'm, I just, I won't engage anymore with the, the, the old rhetoric. I just, sorry, I'm tired of it. Um, I'm moving on to champion hope and a better perspective on scripture, a better perspective on Jesus, a better perspective on the Trinity, a better perspective on heaven, a much more biblical perspective on hell. Uh, you name it. Like this is just getting better and better all the time. I love it. So yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Mark says, how can God be limited to a book? That's why he left his spirit and why we need the church. Very true. Absolutely. And, and if you want to say the Bible, which Bible? Which one? The Orthodox? The Catholic? The, the Western Christian? The translation from the Latin Vulgate? The translation from this Greek or that Hebrew text? What about the books left out? Seriously, start to ask those simple questions and you're going to freak out somebody who's locked into a little tiny cubbyhole. So, no, it's not that simple. I think we need to understand there's more going on. And the ones who only see one narrow lens are the ones who fight the hardest and bark the loudest uh, with anger towards anything that we're sharing here. And it's, 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 I've been there. And Richard Murray said something the other day. He says, it's in those folks I'm now seeing the face of Jesus. It's like, wow, that's so cool. Instead of seeing them as just jerks or they're just mad or they're idiots, which we tend to do, okay? You know, inside voice, we do it. Um, but are we seeing Jesus in them? Do we see a lost or hungry person trying to understand more or somebody that is uh, ready to be set free from the bondage of a particular thought pattern? And oh my goodness, it's really cool. Anyway, that, that's what still growing grace is all about because we're all still growing grace. We're at all different stages and I'm going to learn from every person on every stage, you know, if I consider myself at, let's say the letter G and I got to get to Z um, or Z, whatever depends what country you're in. Um, uh, I'm going to learn from those in A, B, C, and D, E, F, G. Like, they're, I'm not above anybody. You aren't either. And so, you know, to come up and say, hey, don't you realize? Yeah, I've never studied theology before. I've never, like, I'm surprised at some of the comebacks people have. Like, I've been a pastor for 30 years. And, and if you know I me, mean, by now, I've been exposed to a a wonderful journey, a lots of unlearning along the way. Like every 10 years is a very major shift of growth in a good way. So if I've grown this much and see things better and better now, how much more is there to come? Ha, I'm excited about this. I love it. All right. I think that's it for today. Um, I look forward to uh, the next conversations on heaven. Uh, at some point, um, I'm going to share with you a program I was a part of last night, uh, Fireside Creators with Sherry Palace. Um, Zed. <laughs> That's right. Zed28. Because I'm Canadian. We'll, we'll say Zed. But in the States, they say Z, which what anyway <laughs> that's funny uh where was i saying? where was i going with this shoot i just lost track of what i was going to say oh yeah i was part of a uh a, a program panel last night uh and the topic was what is grace um 
Yeah, you'll see it, uh, the links, I think, were posted on Growing Grace um, um, uh, Facebook page. I think I put it on my personal page. I'll, I will make sure it gets there. But I'm also going to re-air that in Still Growing Grace so everyone can see because not everybody has access to those links. Um, but it was a really good discussion on what grace is, um, walking through some of the misconceptions of grace a little bit. I thought it was a very healthy, broad topic because people tend to ask, well, what is it? And one great question was asked, so what? define grace to those who don't believe in God. I thought, brilliant. So we had Paul Gray, Bill Thrasher, and myself and Sherry Palace, who's the host. And uh, it was a great discussion. So I, I really appreciated that. We did one a couple weeks back on forgiveness. What is forgiveness? That's I, I re-aired that on Still Growing Grace. So you can scroll back in the YouTube channel and, and watch that again. It was just fantastic. All right. I hope that was encouraging to you. It was to me. It was great to re-listen to it and focused and concentrating versus when I was actually recording and getting distracted. That was hard, um, but it was it, it was good. We'll see you guys next time. If uh, you're around Sunday mornings, uh, join me. Same location here where you're watching from. Um, we're going to continue a series with Hope Fellowship. So I do Still Growing Grace on Wednesdays and Hope Fellowship Sunday mornings. And uh, uh, Sunday morning's theme is uh, Don't Give Up, um, Love Wins, Hope Wins. So I hope you'll join us for that uh, continued conversation on Sunday. That's it. Have a great day. And wherever you are, thank you for all those watching from different places. Um, thanks for chiming in. Kirk, thank you for saying hello again. Uh, haven't seen you for a while. It's great. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all later. Bye. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.